electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange, David Faber has the morning off. Stocks do begin the week trying to avoid a fourth week lower. Uh, lower yields help today as durables disappoint. Dollar back below 105. Busy week for retail and tech earnings. Our roadmap's going to begin with stocks looking for this bounce after the worst weekly losses of the year. Buffett, of course, pushing back on buyback critics, saying they are, quote, either an economic illiterate or a silver-tongued demagogue. And activist success, Union Pacific now looking for a new CEO after a hedge fund presses for change. Let's begin with the markets, though, coming off of their worst week of the year. Volatility in the so-called fear gauge is in focus. Uh, some SIBO data says that more call options are betting on a rise in the VIX and have changed hands on an average day this month more than any time since March of 2020. This story is uh, everywhere. Yeah, I, I, I found it somewhat astounding because, you know, we've already had a big sell-off. Last week was a very, very negative week. We come in with interest rates going down because of the soft, durable goods number. But then we have, look, I always like to refer to Mike Wilson. He's been right. I make fun of him, but he's been right. And he's just saying, listen, bear market trap. And, yeah, I mean, bull, the bull market's not real. Uh, and I didn't know we were in kind of a bull market. And, you know, I, we had, you were so kind enough to be at our conference this weekend. The overall, this is CNBC the investing, investing Club. Club. Yeah. The ultimate, ultimate takeaway from that was not yet. Don't buy yet. Don't buy yet. But there's going to be a moment where you're going to have to buy. And I don't like the market to be, I want it to finish its downturn. And it doesn't seem like it has. You raised the Wilson note. It's pretty interesting. Uh, he does say that March... High risk for the bear market to resume, next leg lower. Then he builds this little out. Says technicals have been good. Wasn't that interesting that he said when you're really emotional, you have to default to the technicals, something I totally agree with. Uh, It left, this is Larry Williams, who's my ultimate technician for many, many years, says this is it. This going into March is when you have to start buying because the cycles uh, over the many, many year period indicate this is the moment. The negativity is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you have to find something you like. Uh, and then you meld that, m- meld that with what Costin's saying, which is individual stock picking's good. And you come back with it. You had Wilson and Costin. You say, listen, find something you like that you can deal with during this period. I, I kind of like that. I thought that was really good synthesis of what these guys are saying. Yeah. They're smart guys. The Goldman's uh, Costin has a nice little list of names that are shared favorites um, between mutual funds and hedge funds. I think ServiceNow is on there, Visa, uh, if I recall, Fiserv even. Uh, Wells Fargo. Yes. And, and I, it's funny, you read these pieces, and I think people at home have to know. Like, you come back, you watch Costin, and Costin you respect, and Wilson you respect, the next thing you know, you're looking at his, ba- at, uh, you have Workday, which is about to report, United Health, which has been out of favor, you have Schwab, which is interesting, uh, you mentioned the ServiceNow. Uh, MasterCard. So you've got MasterCard and Visa and then uh, Wells Fargo. And you say, well, what do they have in common? And the, the kind of is, is that they're old school. Everything's old school. 
uh, there's nothing new. I mean, Workday is one of the oldest of the uh, cloud companies. So I think it's very interesting. I, by the way, if you want to know, if you want to get what state, what I think is most interesting for the week, I'm coming back with Salesforce, uh, which is this week, March 1, where I am hoping that the activists say to Benioff, you, we still love you. Because Benioff, I mean, it's really, if you look at the short term, you have to understand what the Union Pacific short term. Mm-hmm. The short term, then Mark's company hasn't done that well. But no enterprise software. Like, why is he being picked on? Well, I think he's being picked on because it's a big cap company in the Dow that has underperformed lately. But it, there's no one says that, that Mark's doing a bad job. No one's saying the product is anything other than the best. So what's their issue? He already took the, he already took the medicine. That's the one I want to watch. Major medicine take. Let him alone. Yeah. Well, if David were here, I mean, his reporting has suggested that directionally maybe things are headed that direction. Right. right. I mean, I did talk about this weekend, the idea that, like, I think some of these people want him to declare secession. That's uh, kind of the PayPal uh, method. And with Shulman, where we got this investment by Elliott uh, Partners, and the next thing you know, uh, there's an agreement for Dan to move on. But Dan's older than Mark. And I, these are titans, so it's fine. It's kind of weird to talk about titans. I know we're going to get to Union Pacific, but Mark Benioff built that company. And for these people to come in and say he's underperformed when you look at it since it was $8, and you say to yourself, well, is it really a what have you done late, me, late, late for me uh, story at Salesforce? Or can't you just like, move on to something else? Right, right. But they're all gunning for him. We're going to dive into UNP after the break. Yes. We want to get to Buffett, though. A long weekend of reflection on... The results, uh, his calls for patience, his cash load. The, is the buyback the biggest story out of the out of the quarter? The comments about buybacks? Uh, I think it is because it's so incendiary. There's some great quotes about from Munger, uh, the things that you could learn from him. Uh, I thought what was most interesting was when you look at his holdings. He spent. I'm going to do this tonight on Mad Money. He spends a lot of time talking about how American Express and Coca-Cola are winners uh, because they buy back stock because of the dividends. Uh, but the actual portfolio, Occidental Petroleum, Paramount Global, uh, he, he, he's talking about he's the largest owner of eight of these giants. Spends a lot of time talking about, don't look at my operating, look at what I've done with these companies. And I find it fascinating because the companies are so disparate. There really is no theme other than the fact that uh, it's, he's the largest owner of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know, when I read it, I'm not saying it was wistful. I am saying that, I, that he himself is saying, listen, we're going to be pithy, we have maxims, but we are furious at those who are against buybacks because buybacks have meant so much for shareholders. And I thought that was very well-reasoned, and I wish that the people who have been anti-buyback were to read it. And I think that they would change their mind. You think he should have uh, called out the president by name? You think that's who he was talking about? Elizabeth Warren, the president, yeah. yes. And she called him up by name. I mean, he spends a lot of time talking about the tailwind that is America, so I don't think he wants to do that. I think he just is kind of saying, look, you, whoever you are, think these are bad. I want you to rethink it. But then he used very, very incendiary language when you call someone basically an idiot. Sure. Uh, that does sit up and take notice. And it's, I don't think you want to be known as calling the president an idiot. I don't think that helps if you believe in the right. American system. What's fascinating is that prior to 2018, he also agreed that in many cases it is a it is an illogical use of cash. Well, it's better when he was talking about his own, and now he's a big buyer of his own stock. Obviously, he thinks his stock is cheap. Uh, yeah, I thought, I mean, he's able to do some. A lot of people would feel he's two-faced if it were anybody other than Buffett. <laughs> but I say he's evolved. 
Mm. Uh, and he does spend a lot of time talking about when the facts change, you got to change with them. Uh, it was a very thoughtful, short essay about the flaws that, that uh, are in investing. By no means, I mean, at one point he says, we've made so-so investments. And he talked about the ones that have gone bad. He talked about Solomon Brothers and U.S. Air. And <laughs> I found US his Air. humility was very refreshing. Uh, because most people would ever admit, never admit that they make mistakes. Right. I know. I kind of like. Doesn't take long to read. Well, it's not. It's, it's actually also a, a nice touchstone when you're thinking of the, the impact of higher rates. I mean, right. Building materials and yeah. and housing. And there's some moments that are very that I think are wistful. Like when he says, "Look, maybe you should spend spend some time studying the dead, uh, and try and then." Try to figure out what your obituary should, that you want it to look like, and then lead your life like that. So there were some maxims that were very uh, timeless that had very little to do with investing, and I like those too. I mean, just, you know, if you're 25, 30, wow. I mean, you look at this, you say, "I got a real chance to change my life." Anybody can change their life. Because yeah. He's lived long, but I, I, I felt that it was both wistful and also judgmental, and those are. Maybe that's the way Buffett is at this point in his life. Right. Market always likes it when he comes out swinging. When in, 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 in extreme environments, he'll say, buy American, I am. Right? That's the classic, yeah, the times I out bad back in the I day. Mean, no. Exactly right. I mean, I would have loved him to be able to say, let's just tailwind, and therefore you have to buy this. Right. Uh, that was not right. I mean, if anything, it's a tailwind, and that's why we have a really big railroad. Uh, there, Burlington Northern. No... Um, I guess you could look at his largest owners. I mean, for instance, when, you know, I, I always think, wow, what does he see in HP, which is HPQ? Reporting and then I say, week. well, you got it tomorrow. We'll see what he sees in it. But that's been a big buyback with the yield. Uh, he doesn't offer much explanation, Oxy, HP. Uh, but I find it, I found those kind of a mystery. And I want to know more about them. I want to know more about why Moody's right now. I mean, we could obviously find out. I think it's interesting that, again, Union Pacific, they changed the CEO. And then you see, well, wait a second. Maybe there's good an operator as Burlington Northern, which is a very good operator. This this thing will take um, very little time. But one of the things that I think is salient is about where we get our taxes and how much more can you really assess to individuals. That I think that a lot of the left will dislike. This was... Not an attack on the left, an attack on what he regarded, I think, as the uninformed left, mm-hmm. because it's not right wing by any means. Right. Uh, obviously a rich read, and it's nice that it comes out on a weekend so you have time to digest yeah, it. Yeah, I, mean, I spent a lot of time yesterday. I went over with my daughter. I mean, I just you kind of just a plain spoken. Uh, I, I found this one line, which is you, how much how high would a, a stack of one billion dollars be? Uh, if it's hundred dollars and it reaches three quarters of a mile in the sky, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of there are a lot of things in it that were just kind of parlor games, but not in a you know not in a stupid way, right. but in a, a learning way. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it in our pocket, obviously, as we get through the next uh, few months. When we come back, uh, Jim mentions the hedge fund pressure uh, that is forcing a big change at the top of Union Pacific. Stock is up in early trading. In the next hour, an exclusive with ARK Invest's Kathy Wood right here at Post 9. We'll talk to her about the portfolio, obviously the AI revolution, the Fed, uh, the Tesla Investor Day coming up later on this week. Futures are starting out pretty good here after three weeks down for the S&P and NASDAQ. And, of course, the worst week of the year last week. We're back in a moment. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Union Pacific up in the pre-market, the railroad operator announcing it will replace CEO Lance Fritz sometime this year. After the hedge fund Sorobin Capital pushed for his ouster, uh, the fund owns more than 1% in the uh, railroad. Fritz has served in the top job at the company for eight years and, of course, a frequent guest uh, here on CNBC, Jim. Well, uh, Lance Fritz, I've been a guest many times. and I was surprised under Fritz's, I'm quoting from the Sorobin letter, the hedge fund that was just effect that was very uh, was very vocal this this weekend, but I didn't know it was vocal before. And it's got some very you know basic things, especially after what happened in East Palestine: safety, volume growth, revenue growth, uh, cost management ranking, uh, EBIT growth, total shareholder return. And he's the worst in every one of these. Uh, and then the analysts come out today and are gleeful that he's gone. And I came back and said, "Well, where the hell were you?" Hmm. Why didn't we know? Now, obviously, we could have done these ourselves. The operating ratio wasn't that bad, but he was despised. They said that he had lost confidence of shareholders, employees, customers, regulators. And I say despised because they said that the workers didn't like him. Now, I, you know, this is one of those things that we all have to deal with as people in the media. Lance came on the show many times, and I thought Lance did a good job. But uh, by this empirical data, he did a bad job. And in the end, you always have to default to empirical, not to personal. And uh, I wondered myself whether I wasn't captivated by how Lance came on and talked about how he, he had done a lot of things to make it so the executive suite was more representative of America. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they talk about how this, this hedge fund talked about how there was someone, a Mr. Venna, who was brought in. And what, we was kind of doing precision railroading, like like we seen from yep. from the others. And then somehow he said that he he was he left. Um, it doesn't really explain why he left, but obviously the implication is is that Lance didn't they didn't get along with Lance, and that there was the guy who left. And it seemed like that that's who they want to be the CEO. 
But I wish the analysts, whom we rely on so much, had been more adamant to say how bad Lance was. And I also feel like I'd like to know the other side. I, but the fact that Lance has laughed seemed like it was verification that the board said, yeah, this guy's a big mistake. Because you said how much money, how they don't own a lot. Yeah. So this was one of those things. I'm going to study this one because the media loved Lance. Lance was a very compelling figure. The data was very suboptimal. And yet you didn't get the sense that he had done a bad job. Uh, and the stock, the fact is, is the proof is in the pudding. When you have a stock that goes up this much after a CEO departs, what it says is, is that the judgment, the judgment, the, you know, the tribe has spoken. Yeah, uh, Jim's right. Uh, B of A goes to buy today, uh, 241 target. We did have Lance on last month in which we asked him about the overall U.S. macro. Take a listen. Our concerns are around housing looking like it's getting a little wobbly. The consumer looks a little wobbly to us. Um, not sure what's going to be happening in Asia in terms of source of imports, and it doesn't. It's not really clear what uh, demand for those imports will be. You, you roll that all together, and and there's enough storm clouds uh, in industrial production that's expected to be down half a percentage point. I mean, the transports in general have dealt with all kinds of supply chain black swans and uh, possibilities of strikes. I know. Uh- I, I think that what these what they were thinking when when they did when the, when the, this hedge fund, I mean they like KSU. I mean KSU got bought. They like Canadian Pacific. Canadian Pacific's best. Well, that's a Canadian company. We don't obviously don't really follow them that much. We probably should, but they just you know Burlington Northern, which is owned by by Buffett, again, uh, really much better much better than 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 Lance and Union Pacific, but. I mean, I don't know. It seems like that the challenges in Union Pacific were pretty were pretty big. They've been building out very effectively their network. I, I I'd love to push back on this, uh, but the board and the board was so quick to get rid of. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, well, listen, he's a good talker, but he's not our guy. And, and I I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed game set match. Yeah. I I had believed in what Lance was doing, and the obviously the. The other, the, the business was dealing with tremendous disruption, uh, but they kind of just say, "Listen, KSU was, Canadian Pacific was, and they didn't falter. Yeah. Burlington North, they didn't falter. CSX didn't falter. Uh, at Norfolk Southern, which I, we just know had a very tough couple of weeks, of which yep. the Republicans are saying it's kind of it's defaulted by." Alan Shaw may get a pass or good interviews with Morgan Brennan. But I come back and say, wow, worst, 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 worst. Well, I mean, analysts, why didn't you tell me he was the worst? Yes. Uh, we're going to pay attention to Norfolk as well, as the House is probably going to have some hearings oh, on. Oh, my. I mean, the, you know, you get, I talked about a train wreck that I covered. Train wrecks are, in the old days, they were covered up. Yeah. When we come back uh, uh, later on this morning, uh, as we said, ARK Invest's Kathy Wood's going to join us exclusively in the next hour. Take a look at futures here. Europe's trading pretty well this morning after some headlines from Lagarde over the weekend that maybe the ECB gets uh, data dependent beginning in March. Uh, We'll get Kramer's mad dash as well when we come back. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. 
Let's get Kramer's mad dash as we count down to the opening bell. Stacey Rask on some frequent guests on CNBC, and he has what I regard as simply a remarkable piece this morning from Bernstein about NVIDIA. It's a buy recommendation, but it's a bottoms-up approach. And buried on page seven is a, a matrix which talks about how much uh, NVIDIA makes if you get, an, uh, this is off their H100 GPU, uh, if you get 100 million queries a day, and if you get a billion queries a day on chat GPT, on a billion queries a day, which I think it could definitely have because it's just so widespread in its use, they would make 10 to $20 billion. I mean, now. And I think that all of us who speak with younger people, in particular chat GPT, everybody runs everything through chat GPT just to be sure it sounds better, looks better. G- G- Real threat to Adobe, by the way, because when it comes to uh, what Jensen Wong, the CEO, talked about is copywriting and, and the way ads look. I mean, you don't do them anymore. You don't use Adobe. And I know that that it, it, it's really possible that Shantanu Narayan, if he doesn't get this acquisition, he yeah. can fall behind yeah. because of Canva and because of ChatGPT. But this ChatGPT graph shows you that NVIDIA is not only the biggest winner, but NVIDIA is going to be the, arguably it could become the biggest company. Biggest company. Company. Because you can't do anything on uh, any of these really very, I mean, chat's just one of them, on what's coming without NVIDIA. Right. NVIDIA is just a neural network that's, I mean, when you, by the way, when you talk to me, I, I talked to some younger people at the investing conference, all they want to know about is NVIDIA because they all re- recognize that it is artificial intelligence. That's what happened. Yeah. So it validates what Jensen Wong said last week yes. about it being an inflection point. Right. But uh, the other thing is that it, it's almost, it's, it's the most obvious play, is it not? It's the only play. And I say it's the only play because you can't have uh, this generative AI. You can't have accelerated computing because everybody else is stuck on an Intel model. And they've left Intel behind, even though Intel would say that's not possible. It is, but it's empirical. And what I really love about this piece is it tells you that if you're going to want to invest in AI, you don't buy one of those AI you know, she's one of the yeah. silly ETFs. <laughs> yes, yes. You just buy NVIDIA because it's the only one that, is, that has figured out how to go fast enough, that allows you to do things in seconds. Uh, now, I know that the Chinese have outlawed. I think they want to do theirs with Baidu. But this is the beginning of a new era. And when Jensen says it's as big as the PC and as big as the Internet, take notice. Biggest the iPhone app store because a Jensen is not given to any hyperbole. Everyone was struck by that conference call where Jensen, he just, he and Colette Crest is the amazing CFO. He was playing tag team with her about things that you never thought possible. I remember going out and seeing Jensen about like nine months ago. He said, one day, one day we'll all realize this is the biggest opportunity ever. And then he said, it happened in 180 days. He didn't say it was going to be this Wednesday. I don't know. Uh, you got to read this Rascon piece. It really puts numbers to what Jensen is talking about. That's good radar today. Opening bell coming up in a couple of minutes. In the next hour, as we said, Kathy Wood will definitely talk some AI and NVIDIA with her as well, exclusively at Post 9. A big deal in pharma might be in the works. The journal today says Pfizer's in talks to buy cancer drug maker Seagen, which has a valuation of more than $30 billion. The paper says discussions are at an early stage. We do wish David was here to give us some more color on this. Yeah, it's like Seattle Genetics was supposed to be a, a Merck company because Merck had a big investment in it. Pfizer's got all this capital and there's no growth. You can see the Pfizer stocks are terrible. Uh, and this would give uh, them a really solid base in what some people would say would be a rival to Keytruda, but for different cancers. And uh, this is a company with a deep bench. 
I, th- I wanted Merck to buy them because I think that they have such spectacular uh, anti-tumor technology. But this would be a major uh, departure for Pfizer and would make it so that they have a, a new consistent revenue stream. If I were Merck, I wouldn't let them have it. But Merck's doing quite well and doesn't seem to need it. Well, can you it'd be interesting to get a, a, some bidding action in, in, around here in pharma? You think, is reg risk the same in pharma as it yeah, is in tech? absolutely. Really? I mean, oh, my God. Reg, they just don't. I mean, you could argue that someone in the, uh, I don't know, maybe the FTC would say, wait a second. We need more than, one, more than two companies that are doing tumor killing devices. And, they, the FCC shot down this Tegna deal. Uh, I'm wondering about VMware. I, my, it takes my breath away that they find that every merger seems to be bad. It's been tough to find one without some resistance. Let's get the opening bell here. And the CNBC Real-Time Exchange with the big board. It's S&P Global celebrating the first anniversary of the merger between S&P Global and IHS Market at the NASDAQ. New York Congressman Adriano Espiat and the Consulate General of the Dominican Republic in New York. Jim, breath here, 4K, and the way Europe's trading, even B of A, the desk this morning said it's a little head-scratcher why things are so firm. It's so funny, Germany, they, they, their long-term, longer bonds are just, interest rates just going so high versus what we used to hear about. I keep coming back to what Judy Marks told me, who's the fabulous CEO of Otis, who just said, if you want to know where the real, real opportunity is in Europe, that's where every city's got the skyscrapers. That's where real building's going on. I know that uh, when you talk to anybody, you know, anyone who's in just traditional, uh, like HVAC and the very simple ones, you, you just hear Europe, Europe, Europe. Mm-hmm. And then you hear that they have to spend more money on armaments. They're spending a lot of money on liquefied natural gas. There's just so much activity in Europe that's just highly unusual. Uh, boy, people want to invest in Europe. Yeah. Uh, we're, well, we're going to get some more color uh, through a bunch of conferences this week and investor meetings. It's, uh, CVX, uh, Goldman tomorrow, Tesla on Wednesday. A great piece, by the way, by our Hugh Son uh, on .com about Goldman uh, and sort of the failed ambitions of Marcus. This is a must-read piece, and uh, one of the moments in it is he talks about how they made this deal with Apple. I remember speaking to several CEOs in the banking business saying, why are you letting Goldman have this piece? And they said the same thing, which is, that, oh, man, what a horrible deal by Goldman. And that is the Goldman, their credit card. It, it, it does say, I mean, there's a, an executive who says, really, with an expletive that's deleted, about how could they ever have done this deal? And Marcus is clearly viewed as being something that, that is a failure, uh, that it was a distraction at the same time that, that Goldman was having a big year in, in, in uh, IPOs. Yep. But no one looks good in this piece. Nobody. Now, David Solomon's going to be on Squawk tomorrow. Now, he had heard these things, and it seemed like he was all gung-ho on retail and then pulled back. Uh, I think Solomon's doing a good job. This piece would indicate that he uh, was given a hand that wasn't that good. Uh, Lloyd Blanfine gets good skating in this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yes. Skating. He's like, <laughs> if I'm Lloyd, I'm looking at you, you sans piece. I'm saying, all right, I got <laughs> I made some mistakes. Uh, you know, they were a few. Yeah. You know, no, we'll look for some headlines, yeah. uh, especially especially maybe their their macro view, which had gotten a little softer. Yes, in a, in a positive way in recent right. months. I mean, look, I, the fact that Goldman still has uh, the stock's been a good one, which is why, you know, in the end, I judge by the stock. It's probably a brutal analysis as the weighing machine versus the voting machine. But I think Solomon's done a good job. But 
Uh, there's a, the international warfare at Goldman sounds awful. And I, I knew the fellow who left to go to Walmart, and I really liked him. Uh, he's, he's mentioned in the piece, and uh, Omar Ismail, really terrific guy, and he went to Walmart. I was like, no one from Goldman ever goes to, like, a Walmart to try to go up against Goldman. Everything in here is, uh, and this, again, is a great piece, is antithetical to the Goldman I know, but, you know, as, as my wife would say, Jim, the Goldman unit is 40 years old. What uh, the hell are you talking it, about? It does remind me of, uh, I think it was the Mike Mayo note the other day, uh, in which, for the first time in decades, it's not on some lists of most preferred places to work. I thought that was amazing. I mean, Goldman was always the hardest place to get a job. Uh, look, I'm going to step back for a second. I mean, I, I think people still want to get a job very badly at Goldman. You know, there was this great go west young person move, but I've got I've seen no diminution of people wanting to work in Goldman, and I understand what Mayo's saying. I still think getting a job at Goldman coming out of school is great honor. That is not change. Um, financials are doing pretty well at the open here. Actually, all sectors are green. Uh, not as good as consumer discretionary, which leads me to Amazon, Jim. I know this morning you tweeted about their. Their exploration of ultra-fast delivery. Hey, there was a guy at my house at, at 6 o'clock. I said, what are you doing? Dropping off some pants I bought. I ordered the pants at 5.30 last night. So Andy Jassy, whom I know, and Brian Oslovsky watch the show. I mean, <laughs> it, there is, well, I, it, it was, I mean, the guy was like, uh, it was 5 p.m. I was, what did I write there? But uh, it's so early. But I've got to tell you. I was, like, scared to death. I said, who the, who the heck are you? And it's the guy delivering my pants. And I'm going fishing later in the week. I ordered some fishing pants at the last minute, and there they were. Well, I'm telling you, if I were at buying these at, at any department store, I'd have to go there, I'd have to try them on, whatever. No, I mean, I hesitate to think how you could get it faster. I mean, Jassy doesn't I mean Jassy's supposed to fire 200,000 people. All right, go fire. I mean, I don't know. How about the fact that Prime remains this amazing bargain? Right. Now, That's the I, whole point, is, is yeah. the stickiness of Prime. Right. And I look, I, the stock is one of the most hated stocks that I've come across in a long time, as everything is, in fact, except for Meta, right. because he's fired, you know, Zuckerberg's fired enough people, and he's not even done. He has to cut back on his big capital expenditures. But we forget, while we denigrate Amazon, we keep ordering from it. Uh, it's a good point, um, and it does lead us to the retail names we'll get this week, namely Lowe's, Target, Cost, Best Buy, Dollar Tree, Burl. Are you, is it going to be as sort of net negative as Walmart and Home Depot were last week? Well, I think that what's going to happen is is that they're all going to benefit, the ones you mentioned, from the downfall, which isn't real downfall, I should say. But the decline in, in Home Depot stock price and the decline in Walmart stock price have made it so that Brian Cornell, who will be on air, doesn't have as tough a job. And Marvin Ellison, at Brian, Brian Cornell Target, Marvin Ellison at Lowe's, I think he's got the world as his, his oyster. The market still loves, the analysts still love all the off price because they keep waiting for like the uh, Bed Bath Neons to fail already. Now, for, uh, Federal Realty, I had Dom Wood on last week, and when you read their note to shareholders, they're just talking about the expected bankruptcy, the expected bankruptcy. No bankruptcies have happened yet, except for like, Party City. So I, I do think, though, that I think that these have been somewhat de-risked, although Target still sells mm-hmm. at, 20, at 22 times earnings. That's too high. Mm-hmm. It's just too high. Hey, by the way, the one that, that people hate today uh, is Best Buy. That's a 12 times earnings. That's got a 4% yield. And you know, we had two pieces that are saying they are going to miss big. We won't have long to wait. They report uh, on the second. I don't know. I think Corey Barry's doing a good job, but I think people are taking their cue 
from what Walmart said about how bad electronics is, no matter what Costco says, it's going to go down unless they offer a special dividend. And that's because Costco announces its monthly numbers. There's never any surprises in the call. So people say, eh, you know, nothing there. Well, it's a good point on on electronics because we are going to get Dell and we are going to get HP, right? I mean, we'll be looking for any clue that... uh, that we're at uh, trough pricing on on PCs. If we believe what Jensen Wong said, the uh, implacable CEO of of NVIDIA, he said there's a bottom uh, in in PC chips. If there's a bottom in PC chips, then we've reached the bottom in PCs. If we've reached the bottom in PCs, then you want to buy a Buffett favorite, which is HPQ, uh, which is HP Inc., because that would be remarkable. Enrique Lourdes has done some pretty good job work there. It doesn't seem to matter of late. He has a three and a half percent yield. But I, I'm, if Jensen says that the inventory in Colette Cress, who was the first to point out the inventory glut to me, if she's willing to call the end of the glut, how could the person who got it right at the beginning not get it wrong? I'm mean, get it wrong at yep, the end. Yep. So I'm I'm a believer in the end of the PC glut, which would make me want to be inclined to say that even though HP probably is going to report not a great quarter, at eight times earnings, uh, after a disastrous decline in sales, it might be very interesting. What about the Octas, the Zscalers, uh, uh, the Snows, <laughs> right? I'm this just a- laughing because my daughter comes over on Sundays and we do flashcards of all these companies. She goes, hi, I'm Emma from New Jersey. What do I think about Okta? And I have to state where it is and who's the CEO. And so, uh, those are all related to, to cyber securities. Uh, CrowdStrike catches up great today. I think that those have also come down enough. They've come down enough. And I think it's kind of uh, really interesting that they've, they've just been terrible stocks. I happen to um, sit in fr- uh, right behind uh, t- uh, Todd McKinnon, who's the CEO of Okta, at the Super Bowl. And he walks in. I say, hi. And my friend Bruce Bjarnbaum says, who's that? I said, oh, he's the CEO of a real stinky stock. <laughs> Just, well, is there more to it than that? I said, no, not right now. <laughs> um, one name that has obviously held in there has been Tesla and the Investor Days coming up Wednesday. I wonder, we haven't really talked about this Model 2 and whether or not you think it might be sort of that, that holy grail of an affordable EV that can uh, really, uh, and by the way, more headlines today about their German production ahead of schedule. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. People say, I read a note today that says that nothing, nothing surprising will come out of it. I mean, this is Elon Musk. You know, this is not a good tool in diamond. I mean, Elon Musk is going to dazzle. So I think that I'm waiting for the meeting. I would love to hear what Kathy Wood has to say. I think she has more gravitas to this issue than anybody. Uh, I, I like the stock very much. I know that Jim Farley at Ford was surprised for me. Ford is owned by my child, which has to say that right now I like Tesla more than Ford. But there is, there's an element to Tesla in that car that sounds terrific. Uh, there were a lot of good articles this weekend about why, in the anniversary of Ukraine, why Germany's not doing more. And the implication was that's because China is such a huge market for German cars, and China is allied with Russia. Wow, what a damning, yeah. damning story about the intentions of Germany. Uh, there's a lot of Ukraine-China headlines. One is the idea that some of these European companies might offer security guarantees for Zelensky to participate in some kind of talk. 
Uh, Biden has said uh, ruling out F-16s for now. Well, because they can fly over Russia. Yes. Um, Macron's going to go to China in April. Yes, uh, that'll be interesting. Macron's been a pretty honest broker of things, I think. Uh, obviously, we've not allowed air environment. It's not cutting the orders they fought for drones. In the meantime, the stories in the paper today, Russia's using Iranian drones. I mean, really got an axe. Where's Reagan? Got an axe is evil uh, here. You made that comment. It was from the beginning of the end of the, of the, of the, sure. of the Soviet Union. Uh, the, there's a, I think an overall sense that Europe is underinvested, which is interesting because that's what, that's what President Trump had argued. Uh, uh, underinvested NATO, what are they going to do? Uh, and then all of a sudden you read about Russia, they did so well with, with oil, it turns out now they had a bumper crop in wheat. So Russia was supposed to be an unimportant small country. That's what we kept hearing, an economy the size of Texas. Russia has so outperformed what people thought it could do with, with its economy that it is rather surprising that they haven't been able to have a, more armaments than they have to rely on right. Iranian drones. Drones, yeah. Uh, a couple pieces today about China. Uh, well, there's three things. One is the National People's Congress is coming up, right. maybe a catalyst idea. Uh, but overall, this uh, J.P. Morgan Reuters piece that they have a new Asia credit index that slashes the weighting to China. And that maybe there's just a little mistrust of Xi at this point, and it's hurting them on the global well, investing think, stage. You know, I, I mean, I think, look, we have these companies. Let's say Baidu has their own chat because the government has said that you can't use chat GBT. Okay, well, that's the government, the government mandating stocks to do better. And then if you do too well, uh, maybe you get under house arrest, so to speak. And look, I, I find that market, whenever, whenever Wall Street turns on that market, she then emboldens the companies and allows them to do things that, att that attract Wall Street money. And then he devastates that Wall Street money, and then he starts over and over again. And the lapdogs on Wall Street, who always are waiting for more IPOs because they generate them, are viewed as charlatans. And then the, the, once the stocks start coming back, they're viewed as heroes. I say that this is not a real stock market. And anyone who thinks it is a real market, stock market should go buy Solana and Bitcoin because that's as unreal as what I'm seeing in China. And don't kid yourself. This is a controlled economy. This is a Totality. I know, but We're investing in totalitarian. But index. for the past couple months, we have talked about revenge travel, pent up demand, reopening. Well, I, I like. I mean, look, if you're going to buy, we talked about Estee Lauder this weekend in our investing club. I mean, Estee Lauder's got this big business in Do Free and the, you know, the duty free stores, and has big business in China, where is switching from skin, uh, skin care, which is what you have when you mask cleansing. Uh, to makeup, when you take when you go off the mask, you go outside, and that is the Estee Lauder theme. Uh, I don't think that the Chinese want to confiscate anything that is for China by China. That is why I think that Apple's been okay, Nike for China by China. Uh, the reopening's real, uh, but the stock market of China is manipulated by the government. And anybody who doesn't think that just has not seen how the government acts. Uh, we were talking uh, about AI earlier. Snapchat now, Jim. Uh, says beginning to roll out my AI to Snapchat plus subscribers in the United States. There's one more player in the pool. They should roll out to my stop losing money. <laughs> when they well, when they do when they do the my I won't get crushed if I buy my stock app. I'm going to be all over that. Right now, I'm going to say hard pass. But, but are we in that mode where we just start putting AI oh, yeah. on everything? Hey, everybody, yeah. You know, my middle initials would be A and I. I mean, there, look, there really is a repugnant attempt to get in. Uh, we've seen this time and again. 
uh, we saw it in the first uh, in the first months where a lot of stocks went up, including enterprise software, because people thought that was a, a the place to be. I'm waiting for Bitcoin to come down. That's the, that that was that was January's, um, and now we have AI. Right. And I just tell people, if you want AI, please stop it. Just buy Nvidia. I mean. AI runs on NVIDIA. It's like America runs on Duncan, and then Duncan got a takeover <laughs> bid. Just go do it, okay? Uh, we got a, a nice little bounce here at the open, up 200 on the Dow. Still circulating 4K. VIX is lower, though. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Yeah, nice little bounce. In fact, it's a nice little bounce right across the board. Even sectors that haven't been doing so well uh, for the month of February doing okay today. Let's take a look at the sectors right now. So uh, China, Jim was just mentioning China, just a terrible month. Uh, as a lot of people simply abandon China once again. People are talking about China as whether or not it's investable. But MCHI, which is your key ETF for China there, bouncing nicely today. Uh, retail, which has had a terrible month as well, also bouncing nicely today. Uh, banks held up pretty well, uh, and that's doing well today. Uh, and uh, some of the other sectors here, like uh, semiconductors, which have also held up reasonably well. Tech's been one of the modest winners this month. Uh, also doing well here. Uh, railroads are bouncing. Uh, transports are bouncing nicely here. Union Pacific, CSX, Norfolk Southern, uh, all on the upside here. Of course, uh, Union Pacific just collapsed recently. It was 212. It went to 190 or so. Now it's back to 212 again on word that there might be a new CEO down the line. So that's moving on the upside. And big cap tech's doing well. There's been some winners and losers this month, but NVIDIA has been one of the big winners. Uh, that's bouncing. Tesla also has had a great month. Uh, Meta has as well. Intel's had a terrible month, but it's bouncing. Alphabet's not had a good month. Uh, it's bouncing. Uh, even some other ones, Amazon, not a great month, and it's bouncing as well. So tech uh, benefiting right across the board. A lot of bearish commentary over the weekend. Of course, you all heard about uh, some comments out of Morgan Stanley and some other uh, big wirehouses commenting. But I think the important thing is let's take a look at what the earnings situation is looking like, because earnings have been coming down rather dramatically, but the rate of decline is slowed. So on December 1st, this is the total estimate for the S&P 500, which is the way they figure these numbers here. 231 on December 1, went down to 229. And by February 1st, the numbers were coming down really fast. There was a six-week period where they just kept dropping the estimates down to 224. Today, it's at 222. So what's happening, if you look at this, is the rate of it's going down, but the rate of decline has been slowing rather noticeably. And that's really what you want to look for. You want to look for the delta, which is how fast are things changing, the rate of decline slowing down a little bit. Now, that's not a, a big, big help all along here because you want to keep an eye on what's going on with the overall trend here. So the paradigm has been we're going to get lower inflation and we're going to get moderating rates. That means stable earnings. That's one of the reasons the rate of decline has slowed down. But this may be wrong. You saw the data last week with the PCE. That paradigm may be wrong. We may have a new paradigm here where we're actually still having high inflation or inflation actually going up, which is what we saw on the PCE, and higher rates. If that is the new paradigm, that means lower earnings. It doesn't mean stable earnings. And that's why some of these analyst estimates are kind of in peril now based on the data that we saw last week. That's the bear camp that we're seeing here. So uh, if you want to take a look at the S&P 500, you want to take a look at some of these sectors here today, it's still very pricey. Today, 17.9 forward earnings. Historic average is 17. So you see 
the market, the prices are still high and earnings may have to come down if those paradigm, if that new paradigm actually prevails. In terms of the February winners and losers, if you take a look at some of them, uh, technology has held up very well. It's been flat. Semiconductors have held up. They were big winner, but all the move was up in January and the first part of February. Banks flat. Retail have not had a good month. Energy has not had a good month. But the only reason we're not a lot lower is because of the technology. So S&P 500 is just above its 200-day moving average. It's 39.40. We're looking at the, uh, 39.99 here. You see nice move up. Uh, so that's about a 50 points above that S&P uh, 200-day moving average. That's the critical number people are watching right now, 39.40. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. See you soon. I'm Bob Pisani. As we go to break, we'll check some bonds today. Uh, decent week for macro uh, touch points. We'll get manufacturing ISM on Wednesday, services on Friday. No jobs number this week. That comes next week. But for now, a 10-year back to 3.9. Obviously, a healthy diet of Fed speak will continue as well. Be right back. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Yeah, there's an, a note out by Jeffries, which I found very interesting, which is talk about Bing gets its mojo back. First, I never knew that. Thing had much, <laughs> but they do talk about the possibility that they can make a splash from AI uh, into uh, integrations. And when you talk about uh, Nvidia, that is the name that you keep coming back to. Is that Microsoft is the biggest adopter of it? Uh, I like the piece by Jeff Rees. I think Microsoft's embarking on a new chapter. Uh, it would be amazing if Bing made a company. My favorite parlor game is the one about the Google Apple Search partnership. When it expires, no one really knows, but could Microsoft be a new marginal buyer if they really want to play oh, here? Oh my, would that be something? I mean, we see, we see Apple making great strides in, in healthcare. I mean, Apple's a company that I think is left out of the discussion too often. That would be amazing for them. Uh, Alphabet's very challenged here and really has to come up with something very quickly that says, look, we, we are not hurt by chat. Now they do have Google Cloud, but they've, they've got to say why it's, it's better than just asking yes, this. Yes. That's how, why it makes a lot of sense. How about tonight? Okay, I've got one of my favorite companies, Bolero. Maybe that's because I like Google, but this is the only um, SPAC that I like. The only one. And um, and then I've got Stephen Yalf. I, I like to look at these, uh, at every single one of the REITs that involve shopping, because they tend to give me a good insight into shopping itself, much more than you get from individual companies. I mean, look, this isn't one that has Target. And again, I think that Target's de-risked by Walmart. I think Lowe's is de-risked by Home, Home Depot. Depot. Yep, we're off and running, Jim. It's yeah. going to be a busy oh, one. Very excited. Yeah, we'll see you tonight. Thank you. Mad Money, 6 p.m. When we come back, uh, as we said, an exclusive with Kathy Wood here at Post 9 with the Dow up 260 now. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.